Hello, welcome to Structure and Synecdote. This is your host, Ty Foreman. We will begin a three-part series covering the subject matter of the cinema and its contextual opposite, perceived visual reality, coincident with implied, inherent, functional, utilitarian, ethical, or entirely subjective meaning and what this means relative to the filmmaking medium and to the inherent supposition of film as a depiction upon a spectrum of visual behavioral relevance where, for example, a stop sign perceived by time-dependent visual processing falls upon a place within the spectrum of high importance, whereas film can follow multiple threads where meaning in terms of visual behavioral coincidence is created, found, or stumbled upon. Where we start in this incredibly dense series is in the neural cognitive processing involved in the subject relative to their environment. Stimuli in the form of photons, which can behave as particles or waves, enter the eye where rods with high sensitivity relative to the receptivity of light information and low acuity in conjunction with cones which have high acuity and low sensitivity receive light information. Our eyes then relay this information to the primary visual cortex where via the optic nerve, optic chiasma and the lateral geniculate nucleus, these information highways from the eye to the primary visual cortex contain layers of specialized neurons, the first of which are parvocellular layers, which respond to color, fine details, still objects, and slow-moving objects. The next are magnocellular layers. These neurons have larger cell bodies and respond to objects in motion. There are three main visual processing centers of the brain the primary visual cortex, the secondary visual cortex, and the visual association cortex. The primary visual cortex is found in the posterior region of the occipital lobe. The secondary visual cortex is found in the prestriate cortex and inferotemporal cortex and the visual association cortex. The visual association cortex is found in the posterior parietal cortex and other areas of the cerebral cortex. Together, these three data processing centers of the brain are responsible for visual analysis. What we are interested in is the manner in which visual information is assigned meaning and in turn affects behavior. Are symbols collectively found to hold the same meaning regardless of the intentionality or extensionality 
of the idea, concept, or object to those who find themselves deciphering the potential relevance and value of said symbols? Or is meaning subjective, as is the case much of the time in the cinema and filmmaking? But where is often the case, meaning is created as an a posteriori artifact of the craftsmanship and artistry demanding aesthetic holism. It is perhaps the case that filmmaking is functional in nature, much in the way that the data pathways between the brain and the optic organs of the human are functional and not analytical in nature. Socially and structurally, we can, relative to technical aspects of filmmaking, draw some parallels in terms of those things which are visually necessary for the quality of visualness to be existent. Things that are entirely mundane, such as the wavelength of the visible spectrum of light, the lens used to truncate a field of view of visible light into a usable aspect ratio, the sensors in a camera which capture and allow visual data to be stored, and so on. These functional aspects which facilitate the visual medium are structural in nature, as opposed to the subjective manipulations, application, or utilization of the recursive mechanism of visual analysis. To what degree do social actors find themselves not as arbiters of the world they live in, but more of passive receivers of an onslaught of sensory information? At what stage does the visual medium confirm itself, I think is the most fascinating question to be posed. In terms of survival, of the necessity of the visual processing mechanism of the human being, what is it in a world where there is much more information than can be reasonably made sense of or utilized to some effective ends that has indicated to nature and the universal or extension of organic life that the optical process is one which is entirely necessary. In likeness, do we find that pure abstraction of the filmmaking medium from linguistics to optics are unto themselves meaningful? The suppositions that I posed above a priori would suppose that the answer is yes, that pure cathartic abstraction relative to structure does indeed allude to form, function, and practicality. This is interesting in that we come to do away largely with the need for the wielder of the optical mechanism, whether it be brain and two eyes, or a camera and a video editor, to be, for a lack of better words, competent. Can a person, to a reasonable degree, be incompetent and still make accurate assumptions about the visual linearity and meaning of their world? I believe that this is the domain of the actor, to be without self. 
but entirely immersed within the unknown, albeit structured in nature, but without the competence to know what the composite parts of the mechanism by which their behavior can be found useful, practical, or meaningful. Are the woes, the beats, the airs of the actor unto themselves as acts meaningful? If not, then are these behavioral acts meaningful to the actor? If not, as they are without self in characterization, then are these acts, these behaviors meaningful to an audience, to an individual, a director? Can actors ascribe meaning to their behaviors, or is this a thing unto which the environment confirms itself, in which optically the visual assumption of the wielder of the mechanism by which optical processing is performed is found only as composite? Where the inundation of data and the lack of association of data equate to the assumption of form. We will pick up here next week on this series. If you tuned in, thank you so much. This is Structure and Synecdote signing out.